0: Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. Hello and welcome back to Mommy's on a Call. Today I'm bringing to you Kim Walls. She's a serial entrepreneur in the clean beauty industry and a brand founder, co-founder, angel investor and executive in wellness. Some of her companies include Fortuna, Bambini, BB Organic, and Kelson. But on top of it all, she's a mom to two teenage boys. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. Thank you
1: very much for having me here today.
0: It's really exciting to have you. I can't wait to talk about all the things, but before we start, I wanted to ask, what is your biggest mom win of the week?
1: Well, being an avid listener to your podcast, I was ready for this one. (laughs) (laughs) I I was going to say, I was going to change it up because I'm like, I think she's expecting it, but I always
0: love to start on a positive note. So I wanted to hear your win.
1: Well, so it was, it was actually kind of hard to figure out the wins. The, the mommy wins come farther, farther and farther between as the kids age, I think, because I'm just less involved with their day-to-day activities. But we were recently, well, last week we were in Hawaii and I had like a two hour swim in the pool with both of my boys where we were wrestling, like when they were little and it was oh. so special.
0: Oh, that's nice. And I was going to say a mommy one for you might be that you actually got to go away for a little bit and have a break and a relaxing kind of respite from the busyness of
1: life in Los Angeles. That couldn't be more true. Absolutely. Could not be more true. I needed it badly. I think we all do. I mean, we all all, mommies like mommyville. We all need breaks all the time and none of us, I think get enough of them, but it's in the year of, of COVID. I think it's amplified and it was a true gift to get to spend a few days, not working, not looking at what's going on around me. And also out of the chaos that is urban life right now. What was your favorite part of being in Hawaii? Oh, visiting family. My aunt and uncle live there and I, I don't get to see them very often. I lived with my aunt for a while when I was a kid. So we have, we're very, very close. So it's kind of, and then my mother lives in Ireland. So I don't, I don't really have family around except for my wow. nuclear family. So just being with them, being around them, hearing their stories. I have a great, really sort of vast respect for elders, you might say. And so I just love listening to that.
0: I had no idea you only had your nuclear family here. So, I guess give me a little bit about your family structure. You know, what does your nuclear family look like? And kind of where did you come from? Oh, my goodness. Okay.
1: Well, I came from, I think I came from all over. I think usually when people ask the question, where do you come from? It sort of helps us understand, like, you know, what their life might have been like. And I've lived in, Many, many states have lived in Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Pennsylvania, New York, Wyoming, all over California, North, South, Central. Oh, wow. Uh, Why did you guys move so much? all kinds of different reasons. Like really, truly, my parents really liked it. So I've been in this house with my husband now for over 20 years. Okay. So your kids were born and raised there. Totally. Yes. So I, you know, as a, for the college years, it was because I was going to different schools for the, but everything before that was really determined by my parents who were only together. I like to say uh, long enough to love me into existence. And then they went their separate ways, Mm -hmm. which included separate states. So when either of them wanted to move for any reason, I got to join the party. Ah, and so now you live, how old are your kids? 18 and 15, almost 16.
0: Is the 18 year old in college yet or going to college? We are going through the process right now.
1: (laughs) So how is that touring schools and doing all of that virtually? it's touring schools is pretty much non-existent. We can look at them online and that's fine. We did do a little road trip and drove to some local schools, but there's no, you can't get a flavor for what it's all about. I honestly hope he takes a gap year. I hope he gets in somewhere and then takes a gap year, but he's, he's applied to lots of different places and has received one acceptance letter so far, which was his safety school, one of his safety schools. And we're just waiting. We're
0: just waiting. (laughs) Emotionally. How are you doing the fact that he is either going to be flying the coup soon and you're going to have half an empty nest. How are you, how emotionally have you like prepared yet for it? Or have you not thought about it?
1: Oh God, it's killing me. I mean, I, it's really brutal. I started getting really emotional about it almost a year ago. Like as soon as it became reality, honestly, I don't want to talk about it too much because I burst into tears almost every time. I I am terrified. Oh no, I don't want
0: you to cry. (laughs) Whereas I'm on like the flip side where mine just entered the world. So for me, I feel like it's such a distant future, but it goes so fast. It really does.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know there's that, I think there's either a book or something called like 18 summers and you don't realize you only have 18 summers until they apply okay, this. <laughs> <brutal. laughs> <No. laughs> I trying, trying not to make you cry, but I just, you know, I, a lot of my guests maybe don't have this situation, you know, but yeah, I am just curious. Cause when did you start your companies? Like, were they in a- were, were your kids, kids, kids born? born. Okay.
1: Yeah, I've been starting, I mean, well, it all depends on which one we're talking yeah. about. I, I am a, you might say, true blue entrepreneur. I've, I've started my first company as a distribution company when I was a teenager in the skincare industry because my I grew up in the skincare industry. My father founded a company called Epicurin. And when he, it was really just in Southern California, and I wanted to move to Northern California. I don't know why. I just really wanted to move to Northern California. And they, they, so I, I started a distribution company and sold his products and expanded. Northern California as a first start and then international and all kinds of more markets. But I entrepreneurism and businesses have forever m- been a way for me to fulfill needs that I have that I didn't see any other pathway to fulfilling. So in that case, I wanted to move and needed to find a way to do it. And so
0: <laughs> when you like were growing up, were you always in that like entrepreneurial because he was a founder in something? Were you always in that mindset? And so well, like when you went to college, did you think you were gonna pursue that route?
1: Not really. I mean, I, I, my actions sort of probably didn't line up with my my thoughts. I didn't really know what I wanted to do for a career. I had the skill set of skincare and sort of building companies and a lot of influential people in my life who were entrepreneurs from the aunt and uncle I mentioned a few minutes ago. to They built one of the biggest sales companies in the world, actually. It's called Miller-Hyman. The book they wrote is still taught in Harvard Business School and sort of all around the world and how to sell. And then they sold that company and now they live in Hawaii and San Francisco and Reno and wherever they want <laughs> so there were always people around me who were super inspiring in the business sense and i think it in the same way that you know anyone learns to do anything through modeling we learn a lot modeling is probably the most powerful teaching element for children and that's and i that was just around it all the time
0: I think you mentioned in one of our conversations that you used to put stickers on your father's eye cream. And so that translated into helping your own kids get them involved in the business. And so what are you going to do when your your oldest is gone? Because tell us a little bit about the structure. (laughs) Because I know that one of your kids help or your kids help you in one of the businesses. (laughs) So give a little bit of context about you have four major companies. And I know you said two of your boys kind of help in one. And so, kind of give us a breakdown of what your businesses look like today.
1: Sure. Okay. So, well, I will say that that owning and running businesses is very different from founding them. Very different from being on a board, or is they're all different. None of these. My full time job is running Fortuna Skin. So, Fortuna Skin is a brand that I co-founded with a woman named Agatha Luso, and that we started that about three years ago, four years ago, came to market about a year ago. And that's what I do day in and day out. BEB Organic is, it started off as a passion project years and years and years ago, really long time ago, and has a long story to it. But my family really runs that business. So it's a very sort of straightforward, simple business. There's no marketing there. It's all word of mouth. And what do you sell in that one? That is organic skincare, high-performance organic skincare for babies. And so people are, I I do get sometimes like, why do babies need high-performance skincare? That makes no sense. Like they just give them a bath, they have perfect skin, but it's actually one of those situations where what we think isn't consistent with reality it's sort of like my ideal self doesn't align with my actual self kind of situation we live in an environment where th- th- we have tons of air pollution we are more less ozone we have climate change we have all these factors that our skin didn't evolve or develop to really thrive in. And so the need for skin, if you look at any great brand, pretty much any great brand, they all started with like a single product that was just about repairing the skin, right? It had damage. And the reality is that our skin is in a constant state of being damaged every time, every day from birth. And in fact, skin is one of the last organs to develop in utero. So the last two weeks of being pregnant is when the skin of the child is developing the most, and we have a very high level of premature births. So the skin is actually coming out, not fully developed. And then it's coming into an environment where it's not really prepared, even if it was fully developed to deal with all the challenges we have. And so- Babies actually do need high-performance skincare, and God. it's been an interesting educational curve. That first started because I was working with premature babies, and so it was a very constant, and, and that's a much more dramatic even than a full-term birth because they're getting very often they have you know, devices taped to them. They're getting needles pricked. Their their skin is really, they're in an environment where there are sterilizers being used all the time. There are scents, our skin actually has, it has all the olfactory glands in it as well. And it doesn't smell in the same way our noses smell, but it responds to things that smell. And so there's really, there's just a lot going on. (laughs) Wow.
0: I never knew any of that. My second was born at, and I remember being like, don't give her a bath yet. Like just leave whatever's on her. And then anytime anything went wrong, I squirt breast milk on her. So that was my form of, that that was my form of lotion. I was like, oh, diaper rash. Let's put some, like, let's put some breast milk on that dry skin, squirt breast milk on
1: it. There's a lot of evidence to support that that's a really good strategy. So I would incorporate that into, <laughs> into a full skincare routine. I feel like there. I have like half answers that I've given you to a bunch of different things. And I just want to go back for a second because yeah. while you were torturing me with the you only have 18 summers moment, it reminded me of something that my cousin Kevin said that really stayed with me, really, really, really stayed with me, which was about reading at night because we always read books at night to the kids and even sometimes still do like they'll come up and, you know, we'll just sort of read out loud as a family, whether it's a news article or whatever, it's reading out loud is kind of part of what we do. And Kevin said, you never know when the last time you're going to read a book to your child at night is like one day you just don't. And maybe it's because they don't want it. Maybe it's because you're out of town and you have a different routine, who knows? But you don't plan the last time you read a book at night to your child. And so much of being a parent is like that that yeah. it it really helped me. You don't plan the last time you're going to breastfeed for the most part, right? If you're breastfeeding right. like these things, the, the first bite your child takes, it's it's not usually planned. It's like they grab the food from your fork and they eat it.
0: Yeah, that's true. I think my second one, her first bite was a cookie. And I was like, oh gosh, we were like Christmas, Christmas cookie decorating. And I didn't see her grab something. I was like, well, there goes her first, first food Yeah, <laughs> and breastfeeding too. You're right. Like you don't, sometimes
1: plan that. It's really easy for these moments, call them summers, call them reading moments, whatever they are to just go by. And this is yet another reason why I love skincare and this idea of that chi- child parent interaction in skincare so much for babies because it's a time where there there are two mindsets really and they're pretty polar opposite. One is like the parent is intimidated by it, they don't feel confident, they are in a hurry to get through it because it's not pleasant. And this almost always comes from confidence and lack of confidence. Of course, sometimes we are just really, really busy. We can't like, ah, I have to get through this because I have to put my baby to bed and this is the routine. But for the most part, there there is a way to really engage and enjoy. And instead of rushing through a diaper change, because you also don't know necessarily when your last diaper change will be, to use that opportunity to have a face-to-face conversation. It's through these various grooming rituals that we spend a lot. We have, it's a big opportunity to understand what our babies are saying to us, how they're communicating with us, how, when we communicate with them, they respond to it. You know, I have one kid who, who's total chaos, right? You can be really loud and and rough with him and you could always forever. And when I say rough, I mean, I don't mean actually rough. I just mean a much bigger energy around him. Whereas the other one really needed and wanted one-on-one connection, very calm interactions. And he's still that way at 18 years old. You like, put him in a room with a bunch of people. He's, you know, completely shuts down. But that one-on-one, those one-on-one moments are so special to him. Point being, it's through baby massages, diaper changes, teaching them skincare routines. These moments give us time with them that's truly focused on them. And I think that's really special.
0: Oh, and so now your kids kind of help in that business since you run full time at Praturna.
1: Yes, yes, yes. They do. They well, my husband does all the sort of finance and operations and works with vendors and does all of that piece. And then the kids will. My next door neighbor for we we also we sell wholesale and direct to consumer, but the direct to consumer part of the business isn't huge yet. It's really more wholesale. And so the kids that our next door neighbor goes to the facility where everything gets packed out. And she's the one who had known this child since she was two. <laughs> we were out talking on the street one day and she was like, Oh, you know, I just finished college, but it's COVID. And my parents are a little bit older and I'm, I don't want to go work in an environment. And I was like, well, Lily, I'll put you to work. <laughs> she was like, really? Like, yeah. And so, so the kids, you know, the neighbors, it's a family affair. <laughs> Aww. So and how
0: did it. you like always involve your kids in your businesses when you yes. were building them?
1: always since they were really truly tiny. So that story you mentioned before was my dad was very good at getting me to do things through positive reinforcement. And so he'd say, Kimmer, you know, you were the only person who puts the labels for the eye creams and the lip balms right in the middle. Nobody else does it as well as you do it. Everybody gets them crooked. You get it perfect every time. And it made me want to do that so much. So I would spend summer after summer in storage units, putting labels on things. And I was very proud of it. Very proud of that. And the satisfaction and, and also just what I learned, just being around, I really loved it. And I wanted my kids to have that experience. So I, I actively, you know, I guess it's a common thing. People say that women have trouble delegating, not me. <laughs> I am always looking for ways to have, sort of self-contained projects that I can hand off to them. And, you know, sometimes they argue about doing it. Sometimes they fully embrace it. If they feel guilty about something, they'll be like, mom, is there anything I can do for you? (laughs) So it's different every day, but it's, it's a full blown expectation that they will participate. And I try to make it so that they're learning something when they do it. Yeah, but I that's a gonna... little one. He loves the business aspects like when we're talking about profit and loss statements and balance sheets and you know what is profit really and what are different types of ex- expenses and do you like walk
0: it walk through like your
1: own ones with him or do you oh wow yeah yeah full on because he's interested I try to tap into whatever they're interested in and then those become moments of interaction moments of education times when they actually want my attention getting back to the fact that they're you know ancient and leaving (laughs)
0: Well, and teenagers, teenage boys. I mean, yeah. that's like a, a hard thing to be. They, I feel like they'd be like, mom, like, I don't want to do this or mom, I'm going to, but that's amazing that they're interested and they want to be involved.
1: Well, sometimes <laughs> sometimes it is the mom, 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 but I don't give them a choice, right? It's it's like a chore, you know, in the same way that they're taking out the trash or feeding the dogs, they must participate. It's, it's family and it's important to me and in some ways, maybe this is a little old fashioned and I I'll say this, but know that it's, it's sort of with a bit of humor, like they have to earn their keep. I, and I don't mean it like I'm trying to figure out the right words for this. I think that when kids participate in that kind of way, and this is what I've seen, it's what I experienced. They feel a sense of value. They, they're participating in a way that they know is creating valuable outcomes. And I think it builds confidence and I think it teaches discipline just because you don't want to do it today doesn't mean it doesn't need to be done. So do it.
0: Yeah. No, I also love because you said you like to like have projects and delegate it out. It gives them one, a sense of like ownership and like yeah. over something, which gives them confidence and the ability to be like, okay, I can be a leader. Whereas like if you delegated and then you nitpicked and then you nag them and then you micromanage, it doesn't build that. And so I love how you like pass that off and you're like, okay, it's yours and you do it. And it, it also, I think fosters creativity because they have to think of how to do it or think of ways.
1: Yeah. That's a great call for sure. It definitely does. One of the first projects Luca did was the Christmas cards for the holiday cards. They weren't even, they actually, I think they were New Year cards. He made a decoration and got the paper cutter out, did the whole thing and wrote little notes on each one. And that's what we sent out for for our holiday. And he did, he must have been seven and he did every single one.
0: Wow. That's impressive. So yeah. You're saying in a year and a half, I might get that free
1: labor. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, we just live within a family. <laughs> yes,
0: it is. It is When oh, So, okay. So about three years ago, you started fraterno, which is your current company that you work full time in.
1: But when the kids were born, what were you doing at that time? I had actually stopped. At, so let's see, this is a long time ago. We remember how this went. I was working in the first dot-com bubble as the, their words, not mine, skincare guru for that organization. It became the largest distributor of natural health products in the United States. And it was one of the very early direct-to-consumer business-to-business models. I've been in e-commerce and technology literally my whole career, but I wanted to go back to school to become a medical doctor, but I studied anthropology. So (laughs) I had actually... (laughs) left that job and it was sort of the end of the poll dot com bubble was falling apart at that time anyway and went back to school to do all the post back pre-med work because I didn't do any of the sciences and my god did I love it. I'm
0: laughing I'm like did you even study when you were there? Because I know what school you went to. <laughs>
1: It's a fun school. A easy, you know, Barbara. Yeah. I, did. I was very I'm just getting I was always very talk about control and sense of ownership and with the moving and the other things we talked about. School was always something that I could control. So I controlled it. I did very well in school. <laughs> <laughs> Grab onto whatever they can to like, you know, find yeah. that person of like I can do this. So I I was I had gone back to school. I in my I was in my second year. I had converted the I did a, a year of volunteer, I think it was a year at UC CAC Medical School in the emergency room. And when I saw all of the sickness that was there, it really solidified for me that I wanted to participate in preventative health instead of emergency care. And so I switched that post back pre-med into a master's in nutrition and have done a lot with that. But to answer your question, then I, I got pregnant while I was in school. And the first actual brand I started, the other businesses I had started were in various sort of all kinds of different things. This was the first actual skincare brand that I founded, and it was based on there are no, I've I've been a health junkie for my whole life. And there were no brands, not any brands, not a single brand, not California baby, not any brands that used natural ingredients that were also nice. There were sort of some seventies and eighties brands, but the textures weren't like, I grew up in luxury skincare. I didn't, I didn't want the smells and textures that I was getting. I wanted it to feel like the skincare I was used to, but be good for skin. And so that was the first brand I founded. So I was pregnant and did
0: you ever, were you ever, so, okay. So your dad started obviously this big skincare company. I definitely have heard of it. I didn't realize that was the one that he started. I mean, a lot of kids, either they go one way, they say, I don't want to do what my parents are doing, or they end up going into it. And you kind of went down the route of skincare. Mm -hmm. Were you ever kind of fearful or afraid or going down that route because, you know, your dad had done it or were you excited? Was he proud? Like, how did that, that kind of father daughter interaction go with, with building something instead of maybe working for him or taking over that company?
1: So that is just a, that question is loaded in so many ways. He, I, as I grew up, he told me someday you, you know, you get to take over this company. I want you to learn every aspect of this business. And so I learned every, I was really excited about it. I very much wanted to do it. And then he and his business partner died within four months of each other. In the end, the paperwork wasn't consistent with what he had been telling me my whole life. So with the first company, I specifically started to be, it was non-competitive with his company. And when things played out at the time of his death, the way they did, It was, he he was, it was, was freedom. I got to actually go big versus just doing these little niche things that would not compete with what he was doing, because ultimately I wanted to take it to take what he was doing to the next level. So he was extremely proud of me. He, we had all kinds of conversations. I mean, he taught me so much of what I know and it was, it was very special when I (laughs) he was old. He was born in 1938. So when I started, when I stopped at one point being a founder and started consulting, I'll never forget the look on his face. He was like, Oh, my daughter's a consultant. And he was so proud. Yeah. He was he was sweet, actually. I mean, he was just the best. When he died, I didn't I went through this phase where I didn't listen to my voicemails on my phone because the last message that had been left before he died was this one of like, Kimmer, I love you so much. You're light, you know, you're he was very a spiritual kind of guy. He was even sort of a, a guru to a lot of people. He had hundreds of people who sort of came with him to various locations and did mindfulness training and all these things. So yeah. So yeah, he was really proud and he wanted me to be involved in it. And for a while I thought I didn't, I mean, even as a teenager, when I was like, you know, 12, 13, I was like, oh, I wouldn't use it like Karen. I used Chanel. <laughs> I use you know, whatever, big brand, because I just didn't comprehend at that time. So he but he was really excited when I fully immersed in this industry. And I love this industry. I absolutely love this industry. And I love brands. You know, brands are a platform for people to express ideas. And for me, they're a way to try to take on a problem in some way that is meaningful to me. You know, each brand has sort of a different pillar, whether it's, you know, Kelsen is all, it was very much about the environment and taking plastics out of the environment. And for tuna skin is about community and you rebuilding financial stability and seed banks where we're preserving different kinds of trees. And my, my, why for my purpose comes out in different ways through these different brands. And I love the work of it. I love the activity. I love the people and the, the whole process. I just love this industry. (laughs)
0: Well, so you have four major brands under kind of your umbrella here. How do you manage all of those? And why did you decide that you wanted to create different brands over just creating one, like having the Epicurean versus like having, you know, the, the amount you do?
1: Well, I have too much to say. I talk too much, too much about these things like my team actually makes fun of me they'll ask me a question and make fun of me lovingly i should say and my answer will be so complicated and so long they'll be like we can't market that and then they'll take it to somebody who can try to pull out the pieces that are actually marketable because i want people to have all the information i love education i want to teach and so different you can't you can't cater to everybody with a single brand brands or personalities right like I'm loving this conversation with you right now, but if I turn around and have a conversation with somebody else, I might not enjoy that at all. And a brand is a personality. They have a specific market. They have a specific, usually age that they're speaking to. They have ideals and aspirations that there's you know, some brands are all about fashion and glam and, are a lot of people who don't care at all about fashion and glam it's i think one of the best examples and one of the oldest examples is probably how the Estée lauder companies built their brands right they've got origins literally you everybody likes to take credit for being the first green brand that brand launched in the 80s as like a full multinational. They were organic. They use or used organic ingredients, no petroleum byproducts, totally scientifically based. That consumer wasn't the same consumer as their Clinique consumer who wanted everything to be, you know, fairly medical and clean and simple and straightforward and three steps. Wasn't the same consumer as their Estee Lauder customer who was about sophistication and glamour and, you know, they're just...
0: It's totally true. I mean, I used Clinique in high school and I was like, I wouldn't use Estee Lauder because that is too sophisticated for a 14-year-old at the time, whereas Clinique had the easy like
1: three-step cleaning exactly. and all of that. Clinique was their gateway brand to Estee Lauder. So as consumers aged and as they developed, you know, deeper pockets and more interest in different things, they had they tried to specifically funnel people from Clinique to Estee Lauder or ultimately then to prescriptives or any of their other brands.
0: Yeah, for moms out there who are looking to maybe like change one of their products, one of their skincare products, which do you think is the first they should go to in terms of like, should they change their lotion? Should they change their face cream? Should they change their, you know, if you were to make the first baby step forward, if you've like never really done clean beauty, even though I think a lot of people are involved in clean beauty now, what would be the first thing you would change and what's your favorite product too of your lines?
1: Oh my goodness. Okay. So, favorite products are easy. <laughs> my from Fortuna Skin, it's the replenishing balm. It is blue. It has sea algae in it. It has the feedback that we've gotten for this product people who have, who are Accutane users and have like peeling skin that's dry and cracked, or people who've had, there are a lot of people having post COVID skin care, skin challenges where the skin is thinning and red and this product—it feels like a miracle product. The feedback we're getting is incredible, and that's rewarding. Like I love it. I use it every single night. I keep it on my nightstand, and I put on a full mask of it every single night, right before I put on that the actual sleeping mask to keep the light out. So that's that's my favorite Fortuna product from BEB, I love the soothing serum. It's amazing. It has it, it protects against over eighty three percent of blemish causing bacteria, and has arnica, myrrh, yarrow, like really sort of, that was a, a search for the most balancing, calming ingredients all around the world, specifically to help with blemish control. So ac- baby acne, you know, 30% of babies get baby acne. And per- everybody says, oh, we don't know what to do. Don't do anything, don't do anything. It'll just go away. And really the whole reason that that was the case was because there wasn't a known treatment and it does just go away but you could make it go away in two or three days instead of two or three months or weeks. <laughs> so that was fun for me. And that product I use all the time, I it, especially when I travel, actually. So it's a baby product, but you use it for yourself. Well, I do. And in fact, I then modified it very slightly and made it available under Lava Wash, L-A-V-O-A-G-E, which is a different brand. And the reason for that is because You know, it's this, it's back to that idea of like the mind and what we think versus actual reality. So this particular product, the soothing serum is amazing for adult skin, any kind of scent, my skin is incredibly sensitive and incredibly dry. And when I travel, which is a lot, it freaks out. So it is the ideal solution for people who maybe you're going from an air conditioning to non air conditioning, or you're going from the car to the office or on a train or on a plane or from, you know, the, the microbiome shifts very meaningfully in different ecosystems. So if we go to India or you know wherever your skin has a lot of opportunity to freak out and this formula protects against all of that. It's really, so think about this. It, when a baby gets baby acne, they're coming from an aqueous environment in utero mm-hmm. to an air environment so there are massive shifts and changes there are hormone reasons for it there's new new bacteria the skin trying to regulate with a different surface environment there's those changes are actually very very similar physiologically to the kinds of changes that are happening when we travel different water, different air, different, it's this massive transition. So this product protects and supports through those transitions.
0: Do you put it on before you travel or do you just like use it when, cause I'm actually curious, oh, my skin gets so dry when I go on an airplane and when I land and it's always like, because of the plane. And yeah. so what would one do to protect yourself when you go on the plane to like minimize all that?
1: Yeah, La Boache is perfect. You use it leading up to, leading after. It takes some time to build up your microbiome and it's a probiotic product and probiotics ah. as well. So I just use it all the time, basically, if you're somebody who's on the road, but at minimum, four, five, six days before you go. And then just while you're gone, it has hyaluronic acid in it as well. So it's pulling air, is pulling water from the air and holding it to the skin. So it's maintaining hydration. It's balancing the skin pH. It's supporting the microbiome, enhancing the microbiome, and then using ingredients that have been known throughout time in their ethnobotanical histories, like yarrow and arnica to decrease sensitivity, reduce inflammation, reduce redness. So it's, it's, it's all the right things for travel. And do uh, I
0: buy this online? Where do I get it? Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> Yes, yes. Lavoage.com. Okay. (laughs) V-O-A-G-E, which is like clean age. Lavo is sort of about soap and cleansing and then age. And the idea is coming into a new time, a future where we can have clean products, clean bodies, clean mindsets, treat people fairly. It's a very hopeful brand for me. Oh,
0: and back to, sorry, one of my original questions is if you were to take one one product and change it out in your medicine cabinet, in your bathroom, you're like, okay, today's day one, I'm going to start. What type of product
1: would it be? May I change the question? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I would take one ingredient out and anything that has that ingredient, I would
0: take it out. That's even better because it can eliminate a lot of stuff. Yeah. So what would that be? It would
1: be petroleum or petroleum byproducts. So, so you're
0: saying put it every time we put like petroleum jelly on our kids or, or on our lips and all of that. That is not a good thing.
1: So it's a little more. Com- As I said, I overcomplicate things. It's a little bit more complex than that. <laughs> so it's a plastic byproduct, and I am really massively against the overuse of plastics or if we or or the not not removing plastics if we are we can't get away from using plastic in our industry but we can not overuse them and we can offset our plastic use by taking it out of the environment in partnership with organizations like repurpose Global so petroleum and petroleum byproducts and the way they're insidious in our lives so from an environmental perspective that's one reason. But the bigger reason actually really simplifies everything, which is that any company that's using a petroleum byproduct, a like, you know, mineral oil or whatever, I, I'm trying not to say brand names. I didn't realize mineral oil was petroleum. Yes. I it guess
0: is. I'm not that educated in clean
1: beauty. No. Well, so it keeps it simple, right? Any company that's using those things, is not walking the line of clean beauty. It's not that the ingredient itself is necessarily harmful, it can be. There are known byproducts that develop in the last study I saw said over 20% has, it kicks off essentially 1,4-dioxane, which is not good for the skin, but I do, as we we said this before, I believe in brands and I believe in founders and, you know, even large companies. It doesn't necessarily have to be an individual founder. It can be, you know, all the B Corporation companies, companies that have set a course that they're going to take action, make shifts to give us longer time on this planet, give our children a better future, give our bodies more longevity and more health while we're alive. Like there are companies that stand for that. And the companies that are using petroleum aren't in that camp. Got it. Well,
0: (laughs) makes sense. So I actually want to touch back on how you said your dad was kind of like a guru and like did a lot of mindfulness. And then you talk a lot about Kind of that sort of aspect you were touching on, like you're real big into wellness. Are there any things that you do daily for yourself or any routines that involve wellness or any spiritual practices or things that really help you become like a better mom, a better person? Just what fills you up daily?
1: Yeah. I love a couple of things. There are a few things. A view. We have an amazing view in this house. (laughs) And that was the first time I ever made a commitment to a property was in San Francisco. And we we had these long lists and you have to always, of course, when you're looking for a place to live, give up some of the things that you're on your ideal list. I gave up view in that particular place and I was miserable. I really was. I'd look out the window and see the street. And for me, for my body, I, to see really expansive space completely changes the way I And it could be—it doesn't really matter what it is. It could be ocean or trees, or it could even be expansive city. Just being able to see far.
0: So where did you actually live then in SF? I think I asked you this, but I'm curious. Millie Valley. Oh, right. Okay. (laughs) Yes. With all the dogs. I lived in Russian Hills. So I was kind of the opposite, but I stared at the street because unfortunately I could only afford the first floor.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, right. (laughs) Yes. So we actually, when my husband and I bought this house, it was in a beat up neighborhood. We just got lucky. It became a good neighborhood. And the reason we got it was because of our dogs. We both had these large dogs when we met and we weren't willing to give them up and nobody would rent to us with two large dogs.
0: Unless you live in (laughs) Noy Valley at the time.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's how we ended up with this house. So looking at the view, I do it at night and I do it in the morning. I very consciously look out and just take a minute and it might not even be a minute. It might be a few seconds, but I do it religiously. That's one walks. I try to do daily and uh, usually anywhere from an hour to two hours. And I might be on conference calls. I might be listening to a podcast, might be listening to your podcast. (laughs) So, but the walks are really, really important to me. Those are kind of the big, and then morning hugs is a big one. The boys, ever since they were little every morning, we just have a hug and that they, they still do it. They still, or they still let me do it. And it, it did shift to a point where instead of like, give me a hug or any of those, that sort of language, I had to change the language to, I want to hug you. And they were always, you know, they never say no to that. <laughs> <Aww>. what, time <laughs> did do, yeah. no. what time do you wake up in the morning? Oh, uh, it varies. I don't really, I, I try not to use an alarm clock. So I'll set an alarm for the last possible time that I could wake up, which with homeschool is about 10 minutes to nine because school starts at nine.
0: (laughs) I don't think I remember the last time I was in bed after eight o'clock. Oh my goodness. That sounds amazing.
1: (laughs) So I usually wake up much, much, much earlier, but I'm a big believer in the body telling us what it needs and listening to that. So I try very hard to make sure that I wake up when I wake up. But I do have that final alarm set so that I can scramble if I really have
0: to. So are you a night person or a morning person? Yeah, morning, definitely.
1: Morning? Wow. Like, most of my, like, well, when I had little kids, I got up at 3.34 o'clock every day. It was the mm-hmm. only way to, and, I, and I, I didn't actually even need to set alarms for that. I went to sleep at night when they did, basically. And then I would wake up and have that concentrated time to work in the morning. So my, my routines have definitely shifted as okay. life has shifted.
0: Three in the morning.
1: I don't even know what I do at three in the morning. <laughs> just, it, it's a really, it's very creative. So are you a night person then?
0: I am. And I've been my whole life, but I'm trying to shift now with three young kids. It's really, really hard to, you know, get anything done unless I wake up earlier. And I struggle with that a lot. So I get a lot done at night. I'm just, I, I've always been that way. I used to in high school, my mom said I used to come home, take a nap, wake up for dinner, take a shower and then study until like one in the morning. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, a, let's start homework at 9 PM and like go till 1 AM. And unfortunately that just stuck with me all throughout college and everything. And even now, like all, like even last night I went to bed, I think at 10, but I, at eleven thirty I was still awake.
1: Oh, wow. So I try, yeah, no, I am <laughs> host by I, I don't function at night at all. I think that's partly that will a lot of the years. So from when I was two to one and a half or two, all the way to like 11 or 12, I was on a farm on a ranch in Idaho with like our, our closest neighbor was a mile away and we had animals to take care of. And so we got up with the sun because that's when the animals got up and they needed attention. So I, from all that developmental time, I was waking up with the sun
0: Oh, wow. I didn't know you grew up on a farm. The story (laughs) unfolds. (laughs) So, but now you've lived here for 20 plus years in the LA area without, you know, really close family. How did you manage, you know, childcare things working you and your husband, but you had kids, you know, were you, did you have help? Like, what did that look like? If you, if you like to delegate, what did you delegate?
1: (laughs) Well, I had to learn it. So there was a very, important woman in my life named Alita Brill, who I met while getting a manicure. And (laughs) we were sitting side by side. Turned out she was a very influential feminist from the second wave, or maybe she was the third wave, second wave. So when women, I guess like the seventies, she was an older lady and she fell in love with my computer back in the days when we had these white The white laptops, and you could put colored covers on them. She looked at it, just looking, and she's looking at me, and she keeps looking. And you know, when you sense somebody looking at you, and finally I turned to her, I was like, Do you have a question for me? she's like I do where did you get that red mac <laughs> I was like oh it's not red it's just the cover <laughs> I remember those I
0: think I had a teal one but I actually had the like desktop I had like the bubble like oh, yeah. iMac or I don't even know what they were called at the time but in college I had like it was like blue or like teal yeah
1: yeah I remember those yes I totally remember those so we just started chatting, and she sort of immediately figured out that I had no training at all, no awareness, no information about the history of women and in this country, and the underlying sort of things that we do, and things that we hear, and ways that we're treated that really inhibited the full development of a woman in business. And she decided she was going to teach me. So it turned out she was my neighbor, practically. She lived walking distance away and we started getting together once or twice a week on her lanai, which she called it, which was this little patio and we'd have tea. And she just, she gave me an education in women's history, which I never got in school. I was never particularly interested in it. I didn't even know it existed or what it would be. And so she really changed my life and she gave me great tips Because I did want to be a woman in business and was just, you know, in a different way than I am now. She would say things like, when it comes to your kids in school, your kids will remember what you do with them, but they won't remember what you do with the other parents. So if you really are strapped for time, don't do things like PTA meetings where you're working exclusively with other parents. Do things like volunteer at the events and make crafts with all the kids and that's like when it comes to how you engage and how you involve yourself in the things with your kids be selective in a way where you're actually with your kids and that That makes so much sense (laughs) and that was really you know, let the people who are going to run the school and run the teachers, parent teacher associations and be involved actively in that, do that work. And you do the work with your kids because the other work you're doing is outside of the school and outside of the home. So she really made, she made me think and prioritize about how I could accomplish building a business in my context and still be the parent I wanted to be. Well, on that note, from all of the stuff that you've learned, what would be your
0: number one piece of advice then for women out there who do want to run a business, but also be an involved mom? So if that was kind of her
1: tip, what would your tip be? My tip would be based on the fact that we are still in a time of transition and to make sure that you're working with and around people who are fully supportive of your goals of being a parent as well as a working person because they are not mutually exclusive. You do have to have help and you do have to delegate, like you do have to train yourself. It's there's no I don't have any Wonder Woman or Superwoman fantasies about doing everything. That's not possible. Not if you want to stay sane. But being around people, you know, and the 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 more you work, sort of the longer you're in your career, the more you're around a different age and a different time of how people think, especially men and women, (laughs) really. So surrounding yourself with people who truly embrace your values in your work life will make it possible to thrive in your home life in a very different way.
0: Have you found
1: that today in this environment? No, I had to create it. I'm old. (laughs) In this, I mean, I'm not old, I'm not old at all, but in, in this time and in this works, I mean, I don't have a lot of people around me who are at my stage in my career who are women. And that's a huge part of why I was an entrepreneur, why I was always starting businesses instead of working for other people, because it feels awful. Like when, when you can identify how, when a person like doesn't want to hear about your kids or, you know, is annoyed by the sounds they might make or around them to have to feel Guilty about having children around is like, oh my god, heinous to me. So no, I, I mean, I'm in it now and I experience it now because I created it and I want other women to have it. So no.
0: <laughs> what did you create? I'm just curious. Did oh. you create your own personal group or did you what What did you create?
1: It's how I hire people. Okay. And it's who I hire and it's the tone I set as the leader of the company. Ah, cool. To
0: wrap things up, I could keep talking to you forever, but <laughs> well, I talking to you too. <laughs> I have like a thousand questions, but you know, we'll save that for offline. I want to ask one of my wrap-up questions is what is your superpower that you gained once you became a mom that makes you better at business, life, whatever that might be?
1: That one's easy. I figured that one out very early. So when my kids were in preschool. I worked at the preschool. I went to a type of preschool that's called a co-op where the parents are actually required to be there a day a week. I very much wanted to be involved and engaged in their lives. And one of the things that the preschool did that was incredibly cool was provide parenting education.
0: Same with ours, which is (laughs) quite possibly the best investment ever. (laughs) Yes. Agreed. Fully agreed.
1: Best, best, best. So when they teach empathy and when they teach to really try to understand The child's experience, it made me realize sort of throughout my entire career and even still, I think for the most part, we're all still emotionally responding the same way we did as small children. It's just that we've learned different techniques and tactics to socially navigate. And I, when I'm working with people in business, I'm always wondering and trying to think about who is their five-year-old self? What do they need? What do they want? And how can I help give them that? And that's made a huge difference in my career.
0: <laughs> that's actually really good advice. <laughs> so, our preschool offers classes in like positive discipline, siblings without rivalry, and just taking those and understanding like it's basic human 101, like yeah. understanding human beings. And it's amazing because you forget that. And I think sometimes I treat, you know, my five year old like he should be an older adult and that. I forget that there are five and their basic needs need to be met. So I like that a lot. Well, thank you. So where can we find you online and where can we find your products? Do you, do you sell through any distribute, like any bigger, I guess retail marketplaces or is it just direct to consumer on your website?
1: No, definitely. So Fortuna skin is at Neiman Marcus blue mercury at either this week or next week. We'll be at Saks, And a couple of other, and, and on our own website, FortunaSkin.com. And that's F-U-R-T-U-N-A. It's the Sicilian spelling of fortune for tuna skin. And then BEB is at the Tot and Masonette and BEBorganic.com and a couple others. And
0: <laughs> I put it all in the show notes. <laughs>
1: okay. You can find me at Kim Walls LA on Instagram, Kim Walls L A K M W A L L S L-A. And I have a link in bio there that has all the things. (laughs) Any information about me, I'm an open book. And and I do love helping women start their businesses and get clear on their dreams and things like that. So if anybody wants to just have conversations, I'm here.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining today. I really loved our conversation and I appreciate you being here
1: well. It's an honor and a pleasure. And I thank you very much for all the great work you're doing. I love listening to your podcast. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time. Thank you